the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Tim Albright with AV Nation with an AV Nation special, taking a look at smart buildings and with me to talk about it are smart people. First and foremost, Hannah Walker. Hannah is the COO of Sinclair Digital. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Also with us is Carol Everett uh, Oliver. She is the CEO of CEO Communications as well as president of Bixie. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you. Nice to be here. And last but not least, Glenn College. Uh, uh, Glenn is from uh, FSR. Welcome, sir. Thank you. So a couple of things, guys. Smart buildings has been around uh, for a minute, both from the construction standpoint, but also from the, the AV standpoint. And it is uh, a very generic, sometimes can be a generic term, but let's get some, some definitions here. And Carol, we're going to start with you. When we say smart buildings, what are we talking about? Okay, let's lead up to that because smart buildings are also is also synonymous with an intelligent building. So when you think of a building, you don't think of a building being smart. You think of the buildings with a lot of different building systems in them, right? So uh, traditional buildings were running on proprietary software. They had different operating systems and a lot of different cabling types. In an intelligent building, and we're getting to the smartness, we are seeing more and more of these applications being integrated onto a common network through IP address and through structured cabling. So these integrated systems reduce human interaction because they can now operate on them you know, through their own integration, therefore making the building smart. So um, like I say, intelligent buildings and smart buildings, they're often synonymous with each other. Anyway, the result is that by implementing integrated systems through a common network, cabling, building owners are saving costs, both for the capital expense and the operating expense. Um, for one thing, they're reducing the types of cabling and pulling just one IP copper or fiber cable to the applications for both data and power. And being able to monitor these systems to make them smart and without human intervention after they become smart, this can create a big savings on utilities. For example, using sensors to turn off lights, or HVAC in unused spaces, that saves a lot of money. So this just makes financial sense. And this is why you're seeing a lot of people go towards designing and integrating and implementing smart buildings. In addition, by using um, network cabling and new technologies such as power over ethernet and digital electricity, this results in even more savings of line power and energy usage. Um, which also reduces the carbon footprint. So you can see why a lot of people are going towards you know, intelligent, smart buildings. Um, I know that Hannah has some great examples that she'll give us on these new technologies and how they're being integrated. In fact, even uh, recently, the implementation of a net zero facility. So by having all of these systems integrated, dashboards can be created to better monitor and control these systems. So this is why you see smart buildings are becoming smarter um, because they can do this in the background without anybody sitting there, you know, like the man behind the curtain. That's right. Carol, really quickly, could you d define for us what a net zero building is? 
well, I know that Hannah's going to talk about what basically a net zero means that they're um, generating more power than they're using. So, for example, um, if Hannah wants to jump in and talk about that, but there's a facility that Sinclair Digital Group installed and designed the entire cabling system so that it, it was using solar. So solar panels on, uh, on parking structures and on the top of the building, so they're actually using their own power. So let's say that uh, city, the, they have a power outage, but this facility won't have a power outage because they've been you know, generating their own and saving their own electricity. So basically net zero means they don't use any electricity, they, they generate their own. Is that, is that right, Hannah? Yeah, so the reason that it's called uh, net zero and not, you know, zero energy or something like that is because the way that the system works is that their, their renewable source is solar. So if you think about a building, you know, half the day, there's not going to be any solar energy stored, right? So that, that doesn't mean the building doesn't work at night. What that means is that they produce energy during the day, they push that back into the grid, they store some, they push the rest back into the grid. And then they end up producing enough to where even though they're pulling energy for the utility at nighttime, they produce so much during the day that it actually makes a net, you know, zero uh, production. So that's the that's what the term net zero comes from. And how you get there is by one creating a very um, insulated and uh, sustainable building core so that you're not losing energy out of your windows or walls. Uh, the second thing that you do is you reduce your load inside the building. So everything in the hotel is electric, first of all. C cooking equipment, they've got a full commercial kitchen, no gas at all on property. Um, so first you go all electric to actually, you know, because if you just move a bunch of stuff over to gas, that's kind of an interesting way to do net zero. <clears throat> but they go all electric. Then they try to reduce their building loads as much as possible. And some of the ways they do that is with low voltage. Uh, we can talk about those systems in a little bit. Um, and then they add the renewable source to offset that. So those are the three things that you have to do to become net zero. And, and we just completed a design in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. It's actually open now. It's called the Hotel Marcel, where it's, it's the first net zero hotel property that's, that's out there. Hey, really, really quickly, can you, I, I understand some of the, the cost savings here, right? And, and certainly the, the, the carbon footprint um, savings as well, but overarching, when you look at why a customer would kind of choose to go this route, what what is the underlying uh, driving force, or is is it just it, dip, dip, it depends on on what the the uh, the end customer is is looking to achieve? So it does depend on what the goal of the end customer is. I would say it really breaks down into three main categories. Um, the first is if the customer has high level sustainability goals. So if the customer has um, desire to do a net zero property, for example, and their main concern is how do I get my load as low as humanly possible, they're going to be looking at some of the solutions that we provide, which is using low voltage DC directly to end devices to reduce that AC to DC energy loss conversion. And if they are going to be doing solar and they want to look at batteries, um, for, and if they're wanting to, one, you know, get rid of diesel in the building, get rid of gas, look for electrical systems that can replace those types of solutions, um, like using a battery instead of diesel. Those sustainability goals would drive the use of low voltage DC technology in a building. Um, another 
another goal that we have is um, for hospitality specifically, and maybe some commercial office, I would say, um, is that they're looking to enhance the user experience. So for a guest, you know, how can I um, capture the fact that all of these endpoints are now on one network and I can communicate with them across different systems, um, they're all on IP based, how can I use that data to give my guest the most amazing customer experience ever by, you know, creating custom settings, letting them control everything with their mobile application. You know, all of those things that are possible using low voltage technology. Um, so that is a secondary uh, infrastructure we see or, or conduit as far as why people want to use this type of technology. Um, the third is now, I would say, emerging now, uh, which is just meeting the current codes and standards that are coming out by legislation. Um, for example, New York just passed a bill which makes every building in the, in the city, it has to reduce its electrical load by 30%. And if they do not, they will be heavily fined. Um, and that's by 2030, I believe, it's Title 29. So um, other states are getting rid of gas and properties. You cannot put natural gas in your property. Um, there are certain states that will fine you for, for testing your diesel generator, which is required in every high-rise building, and you have to test it once a month or else it doesn't work. But now you're going to be fined to do that. So other people are using these types of solutions to just not be fined by the city and the state because their energy goals are getting more rigorous as they pass new legislation. And people are really figuring out how do we how do we do practical things to meet these these goals and still you know um, be cost effective in our construction and you know how do we look forward to the next 10 years or 15 years with what I'm building today? So that's kind of the third avenue that we start we're starting to see pick up more um, just just purely based on energy efficiency and how do I you know meet the current legislation that's coming out and and meet all the requirements that they're asking for. Glenn, let's bring the, the AV part of this in. How, how does this move to intelligent and, and smart buildings uh, impact uh, integrators? Thanks, Tim. There's a lot of things here that apply. Uh, for example, I know many national AV companies that have either partnered with or have purchased a structured cabling company. Okay. Uh, this gives them not only the ability to be in the building months sometimes even a lot longer than that ahead of where the AV is being considered. But it also uh, gives them a comfort factor with, okay, I'm already doing the structured cabling. How about if I go ahead and I do your AV as well? Or you just pass along the, you know, the line that that's something that you also do and that business is also picked up. Almost all of the cabling today though, at least 80% is category cable of some kind, whether it's um, 6, uh, 6A, and we're going to be seeing more category 8 here in the, in the future as well. Um, as these cables are being run by AV installation teams, the rules and regulations for how they do these things are the same for uh, the telecommunications. They're the same for the um, access control. They're the same for the security. So these are other things that are being run into the same ladders or the same J-hooks or whatever uh, services they've got to actually run that cabling. The, the, the same codes and best practices apply also for these, excuse me, these same things. So there's no reason why they can't do these things. Uh, also, as uh, Hannah touched on, there's a company called Volt Server. I'm um, will give them a plug here that is a uh, company that has come up with digital electricity 
And this is something, Tim, if you haven't read up on it, you definitely need to. It will uh, it'll change the way you look at a lot of things. And what they're doing is they are taking the uh, AC power and converting it to DC and then running that over longer distances through some proprietary uh, servers that they have, which allow you to be able to do a lot of things that Hannah was talking about that uh, she and Syncart Digital are doing today. Um, it's absolutely fascinating. I was able to stay at one of the hotels, the, uh, uh, the Sinclair Hotel in Fort Worth, and it's amazing what you can do. You can, while you're showering, you can uh, be listening to country music or um, your local news. Um, it's all built into the actual mirror. You can control the temperature in the, uh, in the shower. All this is low voltage. There's no reason why AV technicians can't be trained on how to do all this. It's, uh, it's not super high tech and it's uh, also something that some of the industry leaders are saying today is going to be a multi-billion dollar industry in about 10 years between the uh, the low voltage controls, whether it's window shades, window shears, um, of course the control, that type of thing, and uh, if it gets to be that point where you know, all these things as well as the low voltage lighting, which is primarily uh, PoE lighting, um, when those things start catching on, there's no reason why these low voltage integrators that are doing primarily AV can't change. And actually, this may be something a big thing to take a look at is to look more into a broadening your spectrum. Glenn, really quickly, and, and, and Carol, you, you were, you were hanging out, either one may have an insight on this. If this is really moving to a $10 billion industry in the next five to 10 years, and you are a low voltage contractor, you're an AV con, you know, contractor, you're, you're an electrical contractor. How would you do, what would you do today to kind of position yourself to get into and kind of, you know, uh, position your company as an expert in this field? If this is, if this is going to grow to $10 billion, then, you know, not one company is going to do this. So there will be several folks that will be needed. How would you position your company to kind of, you know, uh, to kind of get into this? So one thing that I would say is to um, start looking for companies that design these types of systems uh, because right now as a designer of these types of systems, the, the most difficult part that we have is deinstallation um, because we're doing projects around the states. Not a lot of co contractors are familiar with these types of systems. So there's a big need in the industry uh, and any new technology faces this problem where the installation can make or break an entire in industry. Um, having bad installation jobs out there can really, I mean, we saw the same thing happen with VRF air conditioning. Um, it took much longer to get started in the United States than it has around the world because installers were unfamiliar and there was a lot of bad install jobs out there. So it really took, made the entire industry slow to pick up. So that's not something we want to see with low voltage happen. So uh, I'm always looking for companies that are interested in this type of solution to start to learn about how these solutions go together. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there right now, um, ourselves and other companies as well, that want to help installers be familiar with these systems to install them correctly. Um, you can find, you know, a lot of us at Bixie, um, you can find people, um, you know, put, putting jobs together, uh, bids, other designers, electrical engineers, um, other low voltage designers that are doing this. So that would be my first uh, recommendation is to reach out to a designer or an, a manufacturer even that makes POE products and ask them, 
you know, how can we get certified in your system and how can we be involved in projects? Because I guarantee you that around the United States, there's a huge need right now for installers that, that know what they're doing. And if, you know, I can see that installer is eager to learn and is willing to, to bid on jobs for us and be part of, you know, an open bid, then, you know, I'm more than happy to recommend them to any of my clients. Yeah, I agree with, you know, what Hannah's saying. And so, you know, you kind of put together a group of partners of people that you want to, I don't want to use the term, but I am going to use it, cross-pollinate. So you've got people who are educated in, you know, in AV, and then you've got people who are educated in structured cabling, and they need to come together. So now you're seeing a lot of people working together because, you know, you've got certain uh, education in, you know, whether it's an installer of just data and voice cabling or an AV integrator or even a security guy. I remember doing presentations, you know, when IP cameras first came out and almost having tomatoes thrown at me because they thought that that low voltage was going to take over and there were there wasn't going to be any more use for our security integrators. And I'm like, no, no, no. Well, we know how to install cable. We don't know how to set the camera up right. So there is a lot of uh, partnerships going on, and I think that's how people need to get involved. Is is you know, and then also, you know, learn about the cabling industry. We're finding, you know, Bixie. Bixie has um, education, training, certification, and they produce standards. And people find out about Bixie, and they start taking these classes, and they get trained. So, you know, like Hannah says, there's a lot of bad installers out there they haven't been trained properly and tim if i can add to that i've <laughs> i've seen a lot of bad installations too over the years i think almost all of us have one way or the other whether we hopefully wasn't anything that any of our team necessarily did but it uh it is definitely applies to it uh i'm also have seen i was talking i had lunch with a guy tuesday who is a uh primarily an av engineer and he is now working for a very large company that is more IT focused, but to help them get into more into the uh, um, AV world on it to help with their designs, especially in the low voltage areas. And there's no reason why some of the AV integrators can't look into getting uh, a, a Bixie certified like an RCDD, which is a registered communications distribution designer. RCDD is a, a big thing and that's a big certification to get. If some of these AV companies could um, get some of these uh, RCDDs on staff. They can also assist in um, that, uh, getting that broad category of learning how to do these things and make it a much smaller picture for them. Um, something that FSR is also doing right now, we are uh, offering uh, a lot in our continuing education page on our website, which is fsrinc.com, and we're expanding that uh, next year. We've got I don't know, seven or eight classes on there now that's going to be considerably larger in the, the next few months where we're going to be expanding that. And that's for AIA training for a lot of these things. So we're helping the architects also learn some of what Hannah specifically is saying that we're trying to get across to these people. Uh, I, I see people look at me when I talk about POE lighting and some of the architect, the architect classes I give. And they look at me, it's like, so that's really going to be a big thing. And um, it's like, are you not listening about the power savings and, and the control and everything else? So um, we're doing the architectural training classes. We're doing the AV training classes for the CTS renewal points. We also have a, a Bixie certified class. And we're going to work on getting some more of those on as well. So we can also help train 
the AV people and let them know a lot of similarities of what they're doing now for, you know, HD base T, AV over IP, whatever that uh, uh, information is that they're using now in the AV systems, and apply that also to some of these other areas for more in the low voltage world. Yeah, and I think, you know, another thing, to another place to, to learn about this and how to, you know, somebody get involved in this industry, definitely go to the conferences. Like VIXA has Infocom. Vixie has uh, two major conferences a year. And there are people now that are, you know, that AV people are now uh, exhibiting at the Vixie conference. And there are people like uh, structured cabling manufacturers that are at the, at the Infocom. So there's a lot of, you know, that, again, using that word cross-pollination going on. Even, you know, even I've seen it at uh, the NECA conference, which is electrical contractors. They had presentations there on low voltage cabling and power over ethernet and you know giving some education to electrical contractors because again the same things happening that happened when i talked about security cameras going onto a low voltage cabling system we're seeing that you know electrical contractors going you know wait a second you're taking away our business because you can't put lighting in that's our business well not if you're running poe over it and you're using the you know ip cable so there is a lot of uh I would say there's got to be a lot of collaboration between trades. Yeah, I like Carol. I like your your, your use of cross pollination because I'm a big fan of it. Um, Glenn, really quickly, you know, what's you you've mentioned this a little bit, but what is the future of of, of the intelligent building of, of the smart building and the AV portion when it when it comes to you know um, these uh, these new projects? Well, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of changes, and some of this is going to be directly about the the AC and how much AC is actually AC power that is is actually going to be needed in these facilities. I think we're going to be seeing in the future a lot more products that are available to be powered by DC directly, whether it's with an RJ45 jack. I mean, you can already do that now with a lot of displays with the power connection and the HDMI. That, that was a standard 1.3, I think. Um, for for that uh, ability, and I think that applies up to a lot of the 60-inch displays today. So we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. And as a matter of fact, I was at a Walmart the other day, and I saw a monitor and the uh, security camera, and they were both being powered by low voltage. There was no power there at all. So this is one big change. And you know, why do you want that uh, that have to add that conversion into it? Also, it's not just the cost. It's the it's the heat. It's the uh, it's, it's the other processes that actually also break that down to uh, make it that much harder to um, you know, get the the system out there. Where again, just some, something simple like DC will allow you to do it. And uh, PoE, by the way, is also the is a world standard. So that's something that is everywhere. Um, and so if you sort of making products for that with a, the PoE power connection you're good and there's also changes in the future i'm sure going to be coming to poe that are going to be allowing uh higher um current needs to be taken care of for those same things the thing with poe and, and you, what you just mentioned there is is reminiscent of somebody who's been in, in radio and broadcasting for for years you know 30 years ago we had to worry about in you know mcsc and, and ccam and and pow Whereas today, you don't necessarily have to, to concern yourself with that. So that is an interesting correlation. Um, Carol, you mentioned the, the fact that Bixie has has education. Uh, and we looked, talked a little bit about that. 
But walk somebody through, if they're an AV integrator and, and they're, they're listening to this and they're like, this sounds interesting, how do I get started with Bixie? Where do I go? What's kind of the, the first steps? You know, I would certainly have them go on the website and take a look at the classes they offer and also the certification. Again, going to their conference, the, the big one's coming up in early February, looking at that. You know, the thing about the Bixie standards that makes it different than the other standards that are out there because someone goes, oh, I can have to go to IEEE to look at what are the definition of the electrical properties and what are the different levels of power over Ethernet, how much power does, you know, this generate, and that can be really, really confusing. And then TIA, they actually define the uh, category twisted pair and, and fiber cabling, like which cable is best for which application. But in this situation, there's no one-size-fits-all, right? Because cable selection is based on bandwidth and distance and application requirements, uh, topology, and, and of course, cost. Yep. So Bixie, um, being the ICT, it stands for Information Communications Technology Association, pretty much combines all of these other standards and puts it into documents that are focused on the design and the installation. So they also have manuals in the classes. So if anyone wants to know about, gee, maybe I should become an RCDD. By the way, I think, you know, Hannah, she got involved in this industry and boom, I think within a year she had her RCDD because she became ingrained in this industry and, and that's the way to do it. Um, there is a standard called the 007 from Bixie and it's really specific to the intelligent building design and installation. So, I mean, I would certainly start with that if they're going to get involved. And the 007 has chapters on the different applications like access control and, and Wi-Fi and, and uh, security cameras and how do they integrate with each other. So that's a really good place to start. You know, how do I design my layout and how do I design my telecommunications room? Because now all of these things are going to be in, you know, one telecommunication room or maybe two. So it really gives layout. So I would certainly go there and look at that. You know, in Avixa, you know, they have certifications. They have their, their CTS and CTSI, you know, but they are working with Bixie to make sure that the installation is going to work because you can't just pull any cable or any category 5E or 6 or 6A cable. You need to make sure that it's going to be working with that end device. Um, and as Glenn said, and I really like that, Glenn, that you put a plug in there. So Glenn's got, Glenn and at FSR, they're doing a lot of educational courses. So look at the manufacturers. They have a lot of these courses as well. FSR is one of them. The cable and connectivity manufacturers have these courses. So there is a plethora of information and education if you just, you know, take a peek under that rug or, or wherever you want to find it. But, uh, you know, just go on and... In fact, Bixie has a listing of the courses that by the manufacturers that will give continuing education credits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can go in there and just pull up an hour course and, and, and you know, at least get some taste of what this is all about. And Tim, if I can throw in one more quick thing there, there's also a lot of free webinars out there that you can watch. I was looking at some today from, from NECA. Uh, that were specifically about low voltage and some of the new standards, especially with the uh, the, the new uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Act. There's a, a lot of incentives out there for uh, new buildings and also for 
uh, new installation people. They're actually requiring apprentices in some of these uh, applications to be brought on to have new hirees involved with this. So um, there's a lot of free information out there in the internet. By reputable sources, it's not like YouTube where you're watching. I've never done this before, but you know, here's how I do it, uh, which makes almost all of us kind of you know get really kind of nervous. But uh, there are good applications for training out there that are at no charge, like our webinars. Uh, we don't charge for those live webinars that we do. That's a good point that you brought up. There are so many free courses out there that, uh, you know, so it's not like, oh, my, how much is this going to cost me? That's a good point, Glenn. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Hannah Walker. Hannah is from Sinclair Digital. How do people connect with you or Sinclair Digital? So you can go to our website, uh, Sinclair-Digital.com. Sinclair you can connect with us on LinkedIn. We're also on there. Um, or feel free to email me just at Hannah at Sinclair-Digital.com. Carol uh, Everett Oliver, um, CEO from CEO uh, Communications, but also with Pixie. Uh, Carol, you, you uh, promote either one or both. How do people connect with you in general? Okay, so Bixie is an association, so I'm on. I'm the president of the board of directors, so I'm the chair of the board of directors. So that's how it works. You know, when you're on a board of directors, uh, you don't get paid for it, but it's a great volunteer, and uh, I just kind of work my way up the ranks. I do have a Bixie email address, so it's coliver at bixievolunteer.net. Um, my company, so I am an ICT consultant, and so uh, my company's name is CEO Communications. That stands for Carol Everett Oliver. But I'm the CEO, my own CEO, but it's, my address is um, CEO at CEOcom, that's with two M's, dot com. Glenn, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Uh, how do people connect with you or FSR? Uh, I'm at uh, G2 at uh, FSRinc.com. And, of course, you can also you know reach me through uh, looking through information on the FSR website, www.fsrinc.com. All right. Very good. Thank you all so much. For us, for Aviation, go by our website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. And find more specials just like this all over uh, the website. All that and more at aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. 